morning. How are y'all doing this morning? Oh, that was weak. That was weak. How are y'all doing this morning? That's great. Hey, my name's Alex Fisher. I'm the interim pastor of Youth in College, and we have an awesome opportunity this morning to get to celebrate uh, at the start of the service with baptism. So I'm going to ask Jack, Nick Reynolds, and Jason to come on down here. About a year ago, I got the opportunity to talk to Jack. He just had some questions about what it meant to follow Christ. And so after some study and thinking and praying, he decided to surrender his life to Christ. And so we have an awesome thing this morning where his brother-in-law, Jason, is going to get to baptize him. And so let's, uh, I'll just turn it over to him. Upon your profession of faith, it is my privilege to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism. Raised to walk in newness of life. chosen to follow Christ and follow him in uh, baptism today. Also, it's especially good to see all of you here today, our first-time guests, our college students today. And let, there's a special message for you all on the uh, front page or the middle page of the Chronicles. And what that is, it's called College Connect. And each Sunday, uh, we're privileged to serve a free meal to college students and to have a Bible study time after this 1045 worship service. Typically, it's in the Fellowship Hall. This morning, it's going to be in our Family Life Center, or gymnasium, and that's located on the ground floor. And there you'll get to meet the staff. Today, it's going to be called College Connect, and that you'll understand our vision for First Baptist Church, and our calling to this community, and how you can be a vital part of that. So we invite you to come and stay for that. It'll be about an hour counting the meal, and a one wonderful time to meet new and returning friends. So we invite our college students to that. Also, church family, on Wednesday, September the 18th, your chronicle says August 18th. Obviously, we can't do that, and it's not that long-range planning. So this is September 18th. There will be a called business meeting during the prayer meeting time, the beginning part, to hear from our search committee for the uh, pastor of uh, children and young families. You'll get an opportunity to hear some more information and updates and ask, ask questions. So make sure you mark that on your calendar. And then, lastly but not uh, least important, it's very important, there's a prayer card, uh, a blue card in the pew rack in front of you on the back of that. If you have a prayer request that we can pray with you or about a family member, write that down and uh, our staff will be meeting for staff meeting in the morning. And we always look forward to praying over all the requests that have come in. It's a privilege and an honor to get to do that, to join you in prayer for your concerns. On the front side of that, if you've never filled out one of the guest cards, please Give us your name, address, phone number, in a legible way so we can find, find you. Uh, by telephone, I promise we won't come visit knocking at your door unless you want us to do that. And we would always call first. But uh, we'd love to have a record of your visit. But most importantly, we invite you to engage in every aspect of worship of the Lord Jesus Christ today uh, through the study of God's Word, hearing Pastor Scott's message for us, and making it applicable to our lives. So at this time, would you please stand, greet those around you, and then engage in all aspects of worship.
we do crown our king with many crowns. There'll be one day that we will see him face to face and any crown that he has given us, we will lay at his feet because of his greatness and because he is almighty and he deserves that kind of praise from us. Um, I'm going to read a scripture to you this morning that helps us just reflect on who God is. It comes from Hebrews 12. It's verses one and two. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We have a, a, a God that is alive and living. He is in heaven uh, physically, but in spirit, he is with us uh, as the Holy Spirit dwells among us and with us. And, you know, there's, there's nothing more that we need in life except for Christ. It doesn't matter all the things that we have, all the, all the riches we have or all the riches we don't have. Uh, it could go either way on that one. But um, all that stuff doesn't matter. Only thing that matters is that we have Christ because in the end, that's all that's going to matter. Let's continue as we, as we sing and worship the next song, All I Have is Christ. Hallelujah. 
line of that course be the prayer of our lives, Lord, that you will be my life. Father, I don't say that that tritely or or just as a, as a good saying. It sounds good to say it, but, but Lord, if we can ever come to that place where nothing really else matters in our lives but you, and Father, we live that way, uh, then God, we will know you in a deeper way, uh, in a greater way, in a stronger way. Um, Lord, we will know that, that all of our life really, the only thing that matters, Lord, in the very end, the only question we have to answer is, what are we going to do with you? And God, I pray that we would discover that, if not today, then in, uh, real soon, Lord, so that our lives are completely and com- totally committed to you, and we understand that phrase, that all I have is Christ, and all I need is Christ. Because, Lord, you are greater than great. You're stronger than strong. You're deeper than anything that, that I can think of as deep. Father, you're more beautiful than, than what we picture as beauty. Father, you are so much more than what we can conceive. And, Lord, as the choir sings this next song, may that be portrayed, Lord. May, may your greatness, uh, may your, the, the mightiness that you are come through, uh, Lord, and minister to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated.
Good morning, church. Good to be in the house of the Lord today. If you have your Bibles with you, if you will turn with me to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 will be our text this morning. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at, and will for the next several weeks, look at how we can know God better. I hope as, uh, as we sit here today, every one of you know God in a very personal way. If, if you don't know God in a personal way, I hope that by the time you leave here today, uh, you know the God that I'm going to preach about, and uh, you desire to know Him better, and you surrender your life to Christ as Lord of your life. Uh, nothing greater, honestly, could ever happen in this place today than somebody uh, call upon Jesus as Lord and Savior, surrender their life to Him, and experience that life change. All of us should desire to know this great God. We've been singing about Him this morning. Uh, we, we prayed to Him. We've, we've looked to Him. Our, our focus has been upon God. And it should be our desire today to really know Him and know Him better. And each and every day of our life, we should desire to know Him better. And last week, we talked about knowing God through uh, His Scriptures, through the Word, the infallible and errant Word of God, knowing God through this timeless piece of work that He has presented to us called the Bible. And uh, we, we discuss that. And today I want to discuss with you uh, the opportunity, the privilege that you and I have to know God through a, an opportunity to pray. And I'm, I'm here to tell you today, it's kind of overwhelming to take the Bible and say, well, we're just going to use this, this passage of Scripture to, to focus in on what prayer really is because uh, there are so many amazing texts in the Bible about prayer. In fact, from cover to cover, we're invited into that relationship with God to pray and know Him and speak to Him personally and Him speak to us. So uh, today we're going to start with Second Chronicles 7. And we'll hit a couple other verses and passages of Scripture, but it, it's really, we could have gone to many places this morning to talk about prayer. But I hope that in the time of our conversation this morning and, and, and diving into this text, you see what a privilege it is to pray, uh, what, what an awesome opportunity you have. I hope that um, as we recognize what prayer is today, it's communication. And communication is, is two ways. Uh, it's a two-way street. You know, there's a lot of television stations and a lot of, uh, a lot of radio stations that can, they can go flip a switch and, and cut on the power and, and they, can, they can speak something or, or video something out to the world. But unless there's someone sitting there to receive that, the communication has not ever happened. But I, I want to inform you today, as I stand before you, I stand with great confidence, knowing that God is in heaven today. He is not some distant creator that spun things into motion and, and turned his back upon his creation, but he sits in heaven on his throne, and he is longing for a relationship with us. He's longing for us to speak to him. He is sitting ready, anticipating, and I'm telling you, he's not a silent God. He is speaking to us. If we will, if we will listen and seek him, we will know him, we will hear him, and we will have the privilege of engaging into a personal, intimate relationship with God through prayer. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to look at this text, and I, I hope you can see a couple of things this morning. The position of prayer, the practice of prayer, and the power of prayer. So they all start with a P, so you ought to be able to follow that in your notes. But, but just understand, there's a practice of prayer, there's, there's a position how we come to God in prayer, and there is power in prayer. So if you will stand with me and let's read Second Chronicles chapter 7. Let's begin in verse 12 today. The Word of God says, 
Then the Lord God appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. God, we thank you for the assurance that you are in heaven right now and, and you're here in this very prayer that's vocalized to you because you desire to hear from us and you, you long for that passionate relationship. So, Lord, we're here before you this morning, gathered in this place. You've appointed us together this morning for this very purpose, to come and, and study your word, to praise you and exalt your name on high. God, I pray that you would anoint me as the messenger of your word to the people that you love so dearly. God, I pray that every word from you would proceed today to touch our hearts and we would be changed and transformed. We would not leave here this morning the same way we came, but God, we'd come humbly before you, seeking your face and turning from our wicked ways to know you in a better, more passionate way. Jesus, move in our hearts today. Holy Spirit, you have all authority in this place. So, Lord Jesus, have your will and way. In Christ's name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. God reveals to us that there is a practice of prayer. In this text, we, we see that He says to God, He says, Solomon, or God, God says to Solomon, Solomon, I've heard your prayer. What, what an amazing statement. Solomon, I have heard your prayer. Now, that tells us that there was a practice of prayer. Solomon prayed. Solomon was a man who, who, who went before the Lord and he prayed. And when he prayed, he, he spoke to God in a way that he anticipated God bringing forth a response. And, and God says to Solomon, I have heard your prayer. So there has to be a practice in our life of praying. It has to be. So let me just ask you, just on how, how well are you practicing prayer in your life? Or is, is that something that, that you are doing with regularity? And, and what does it look like to practice prayer? We'll, we'll get into that, but I, I want to look at a couple of verses of Scripture first because some of us may be sitting here and saying, you know, Pastor, I, I pray, but I just don't feel like God's answering any of my prayers. I don't even know if he, my prayers are getting above the ceiling. I, I just don't know if God, God's even listening to me. Well, one of the things we always need to, as a litmus test in our life, we need to think through is, how am I praying? What, what am I praying about? What, what is the central focus of my prayers? And, and what am I really bringing before God? James chapter uh, 3, I mean James chapter 4 verse 3 says this, You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your own pleasures. All right, now, we all recognize that we can ask God for things that we want, right? Things that, oh, God, I really want this. i, I got to tell you, this morning, I can stand before you, and I believe all of us can stand in this room. If you've been in the prayer uh, practice for any length of time and probably recognize, oh, boy, I sure am glad God didn't answer every prayer I asked for. There's some men in the room with another woman that God had designed for you that if, if He had just given you the one you prayed so hard for, you might be miserable right now. <laughs> Amen? 
Y'all supposed to laugh? That was supposed to be good and funny. <laughs> but in reality, we, we don't always get everything we ask for. And it's not a bad deal, okay? Because God knows what we need. And, but he, he invites us. He invites us to the throne room of grace to, to lay before Him our petitions and our prayers. He, he says that we should be anxious for nothing, but, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, make our requests known to God. So we should desire to go to God and, and lay our prayers before the Lord and recognize that He is God in heaven. And, and He hears our prayers and He wants to answer our prayers as long as our prayers are first and foremost uh, in His will and, and good for us, knowing God knows what's good for us, every good gift comes from the Father who is above. He, he doesn't just throw things at us that we don't need, and he, He's not going to give us things that will cause us harm. He is a good, good Father, so He's going to give us good gifts. And uh, it, it's His desire. But there's another aspect of this, uh, of, of praying and walking in prayer that we need to understand, and, and that comes from... Um, John chapter 9, verse 31, and you'll see it on the screen, it tells us this. We know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is God-fearing and does His will, He hears Him. So what's that saying to us? God, God hears our prayer when we are seeking Him, and we have a heart that is yearning for Him. But when we're living apart from the will of God and resistant to God working in our life and and we really don't have a God focus, but we have a need focus. If we lay that before the Lord, it's just like not going to get above the ceiling. It really isn't. But if we have a heart focus for God and we desire God would move in our life and we want Him to be the Lord of our life and we lay the petitions before the Lord, He hears those prayers. I'm convinced as I read Scripture that God does hear the cry of a sinner. And the first cry God ever hears of a sinner is when He says, Lord, save me. When she cries out to God, he cries out to God, Lord, save my life. I need you. There are many religions around this world that pray. And they pray empty prayers because they're praying to a godless environment. But we, when we pray as children of the King of kings and Lord of lords, when, when I make my prayer before God because I'm a child of God, when I pray that prayer, ladies and gentlemen, it rises to heaven and it hits the ears of the king. And, and here we see that he tells Solomon, he says, I have heard your prayer. Solomon is in the practice of prayer. He's in the practice of walking with God, and he prays. Not only that, we see in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, we studied this not too long ago, says here in verse 12, For the eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer. That's good to know, right? For the eyes of the Lord or towards the righteous. I, I want to live righteously. I know that I, my righteousness is filthy rags, but I know this, I've been clothed with the righteousness of Christ Jesus because when I surrendered my life to Him, though I have sinned in my life and, and I will sin again and again, I have a Savior in heaven who has clothed me not in my righteousness, but in His righteousness. Therefore, I, I recognize the, the power that comes from that. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous. And his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So for someone to live against the will of God and just it's in utter distaste of God and in and, and a different direction than God's will and, and just live the lifestyle of evil and then expect God to hear their prayers, that'd be just wrong. God wants us to pray. But God also wants us to want Him, yearn for Him, long for Him, and desire Him. 
So what does the practice of prayer look like? Obviously, Solomon has practiced some prayer in his life, and and, uh, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Um, Let's think about this. You ever seen uh, the the Olympics? I'm, I'm assuming most of you have seen the Olympics, know what that is. This means yes, this means no. Okay, great. This is communication here. Yeah, so Olympics. We, no Olympic athlete ever gets out of bed one morning and says, you know what, I'm going to go compete in the Olympics. I, I want to be a marathon runner. I want to I do this or that or be a downhill skier or a high jumper or whatever. No, nobody just wakes up one day and just does that. It, it takes practice. I know that's foolishness to think like that or for me to even bring that up, but it's a reality. You don't just start doing something. If I wanted to run a marathon I wouldn't get up tomorrow and start running a marathon. I, I, I run like a box. I mean, I just I only run if something's chasing me, okay? And I don't know if anything chased me that far. I probably would give in way, way before I made it to the end anyhow. But I would get up. I said, I'm going to run a marathon. If you said you were going to run a marathon, you would get up and you would practice. You would begin small. You'd start off with some small steps and you'd, you'd work up to the place where you could run that marathon successfully. And in and, and the life of so many as we look, I've, I've seen by reading the prayers of some of the saints of the past, just reading in Scripture, I mean, reading David's prayers, reading the prayers of Moses, reading, just reading the prayers of the saints of the Bibles, I'm like, wow, what a prayer life. And I know people, and you know people, maybe it's your grandma, your grandpa, your mom, your dad, your, your friend, your aunt, maybe it's somebody in this world that you know, that when you think about a prayer, well, you think about him or her. You, you think, your mind goes, when you think about a prayer warrior, what a prayer warrior. Boy, if I could just pray like them. I guarantee you they didn't get up one morning, find themselves in a situation of lostness, and give their life to Jesus on that day at some point during the day, and then automatically by evening have the best prayer of life and that, that that strong prayer life. They, they didn't just have that overnight. It wasn't that they all of a sudden just had that intimate connection with God where they could just speak for great lengths of time or even powerful prayers to God. It's something that came with practice. They began a communication with God, walking daily with God, desiring from their heart to know God. And, and little by little, they grew in faith and they, they watched God answer some prayers and they watched God not answer some prayers, and they didn't give up. They, they continued to lay that before the Lord and understand His will as they were sanctified more and walked more in His likeness. And as that happens, we grow in an understanding of God and His will working in our life. And, and as that works out, we see God work out in our life, and we gain more momentum so that we can go to God and with boldness lay our requests before the throne. So the practice of prayer looks like Getting up and practicing prayer. I mean, it just it's, I'm going to be consistent in approaching the King of kings and Lord of lords. Once, once you've resolved in your life that you're a sinner, you need a Savior, and Jesus is the only Savior, and you give your life to Him, and you yield everything to Him, surrender totally to Jesus, then you begin to pray and talk with Him and let Him lead your life, and, and, and then the heart yearns more and more for His involvement. The disciples were much like that. These guys were just ordinary guys walking down the street, and Jesus invited them into an intimate personal relationship for for years where he would lead them to be the the next leaders of the church when he ascended into heaven. And and as that happened, they they watched Jesus pray. I, I don't think anybody, anybody could ever pray as powerfully as Jesus. It's the Son of God. 
God in the flesh. It's the triune nature, listen to that relationship of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit walking together. And, and Jesus, when on earth, knew the importance of, of separating himself for the time and, and going and praying to the Father. And when they, when they witnessed Jesus' passion for prayer and his consistently in talk, consistency in talking to God, what they saw was something they didn't see in themselves. Though these men had probably prayed, they brought up in a culture, kind of a religious culture, much like you and me for the most part. I'm not sure that I can't speak that for everybody. But we live in the buckle of the Bible Belt here. Uh, prayer is just not something that's odd to us, at least most of us. We've, we've been raised in that culture of prayer. They probably prayed quite a good bit. But when they looked at Jesus in his life, they saw something they'd never seen before. And as they saw that, they asked him, said, Jesus... Teach us to pray. I'm telling you, church, ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing wrong with looking at the Lord of lords and the King of kings and saying, teach me to pray. Te- teach me, God. I need to learn because I know I can, I can yap, 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 but I, I really need to know how to talk to you. I, I, I want to connect with you. So, Jesus, teach me to pray. I know if the disciples had to ask Jesus, ah, I need to ask Jesus, teach me to pray. It comes with practice, and the practice of prayer in their life culminated into a, a lot more as they walked more intimately and personally with Jesus, and, and they saw it. So let me, let me just ask you something. As you sit here today, do you, would you say that you regularly practice prayer? That prayer is a practice of your life like you... You're engaged in prayer. You, you get up in the mornings and you pray. And, and you understand 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Man, it's a, it's a state of life that I'm in ob- obvious, constant communication with the Creator of the universe. And, and no matter where I am or what I'm doing, I can just say, hey, God, um, and here it is. We, we can do this talking like we never hang up. I mean, I know I say amen in Jesus' name, amen. I know I do that. But honestly, I never hang up. I mean, I dial in the morning and I hang up at night when I go to bed. I'm kind of in constant conversation with God. And that should be the role of our life that we recognize. Oh, what a, what a privilege. What a privilege it is to talk to Jesus from the time we get up to the time we go to bed. But it has to be something that's consciously on our mind that we, we practice. We, we put ourselves there with God and we, we practice that. That privilege of prayer. A lot of times it does us well to analyze what we're praying about. I, I didn't know when I, when I recognized I was going to be preaching in this order on this that our Sunday school literature would land with uh, prayer as well today. That's just a God thing. It's really cool you get a double dose of it today. Obviously God's trying to tell us something about prayer. Hint, hint. If you were in small group and now you're here, you're like, I've heard this somewhere today. Yeah. Yeah, God wants us to pray. Hey, have you ever been riding down the road or just walking through life and you felt like you needed to pray? You've done that? I mean, I have. I've just, I need to pray. Can I tell you that absolutely nothing within my flesh, nothing within the humanity that's standing before you this morning caused me to want to pray? My mind did not just say, oh, I don't need to pray. No, that was the Holy Spirit of God that lives within me crying out to me for conversation. It's like the phone was ringing, okay? Are you going to pick up? Hello, I'm here. 
Can we talk? And that's what Jesus does in our life. He's, he's inviting us into this personal, intimate relationship. So, but we need to practice prayer. A lot of times I find myself in my practice of prayer, I can get very, it's just me. I, I'm probably the only one in the room, but I, I can get very routine. Like I get up in the morning and I, I have my morning prayers and I, I pray over my food at each meal. I enjoy doing that. I always enjoy involving other people like we're at a restaurant. Hey, can we pray for you? Those kinds of things. But it's just kind of ordinary. God, I need you to do this, 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 this. Y'all ever done that? Lay your grocery list out before God, what you need Him to do for the day. Here's my laundry list, Lord. I need you to get this done. Are y'all all right? Maybe, Peterson, maybe I'm just preaching to me. It may just be me that I'm preaching to this message, but I kind of, I don't know. I kind of think maybe we've all got in this, this rhythm at times where we just, we got certain things, we just get into a rhythm. We, we pray for our meals maybe, and, and, and we just give, give our list to God what we need Him to do. But do we ever just sit down and passionately pray to the King of kings and Lord of lords and, and recognize the authority that He has and the Lord that He is? And, and in that process of praying like that, do, do we also just sit and listen? Because I said a moment ago, communication is two ways. There's a sender and a receiver. And I know when I send, he hears. But do I receive? Do I sit and receive? I talk a lot more in my prayers than I do listen. Can I get an amen? I'm not the only one, right? I spend a lot more time speaking. I find it really hard because I'm just kind of this go, go, go kind of guy. I find it really hard just to sit there and listen to God. But, oh, the times that I do. Oh, wow. The things He's told me when I just get silent. You know, He says in the Psalms, He says, Be still and know that I'm God. That's a recognition that He is God. He's got something He wants to say. Will we sit there and listen to it, church? We need to talk to God about big things. I get that. Cancer, heart, Aunt Sally, Uncle Buck's problems in their life, whoever, whatever. There's big things in life. The world we live in, our leaders, I understand that. There's big things we need to lay before God. But you recognize it's not just that we need to come to God when we've got something major going on in our life. We need to come to God when we got something little going on in our life. There was a testimony in our Sunday school class this morning about something that was kind of little that we laid before the Lord. And I'm telling you, when we practiced praying about the little things and we see God work in the little things, we have no question if He's going to work in the big things. But if all you're doing is waiting on the big times to go to God, you're probably not going to be certain that God's going to hear you and work on this. I love being able to carry the little things to God. And... I talked a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday night about this floating axe head that this guy, they needed to expand and they needed to go cut down a tree and dude was swinging. He was chopping down a tree and off flew his axe head and it fell into deep water and it must have been deep because he got really distressed. If it had been shallow water, he'd probably gone out there and got it, but he had lost his axe head and he cried out to Elijah, man, I've lost my axe head and it was borrowed. I need that thing back. I mean, he was, he was worked up about it, okay? It was major to him at that moment. I'm telling you, in the grand scheme of life, that was not a big deal. Can we agree to that? That axe head was not, go to a hardware store and buy another one. They didn't have one back then. But 
you know, the, the thing is, he could have gone and whittled him out another one. He could have worked on it, but he needed that. He wanted that. It was, it was important to him, and it was little. And God attended to the little thing in life. And he led Elijah to throw a stick in the water. And it wasn't magical. It was miraculous. God worked through that situation to speak to the whole nation. Hey, the little things matter to me. I care about you. You're my kid. I love you. God loves you. He cares about the little things in your life. We ought to bring those little things to Him. So it's the practice of prayer. But if we never practice prayer, we won't ever see prayer unfold in our life. And and I just want to encourage you, because you may be sitting here today and say, Scott, Pastor, I have not practiced prayer. I don't remember the last time I really prayed. I've just been kind of in a rhythm, but it ain't been a good one. and, And I just don't really practice prayer. Let me encourage you, the God of the heavens that created everything known to mankind and things that we don't even know cares about you. He has called you into an intimate, personal relationship with Him. And you have the privilege to practice praying every day. So not only do we have the practice of prayer, we've got, we see the position of prayer here. If you notice there, that, uh, yes, he prayed, Solomon prayed, and God heard him. And, and then God goes into, well, if I do this, and if I do this, and if I do this. And it's not that God's saying, I'm going to be mean to you. No, but God's saying, hey, there are consequences to your sin. When, when you live in, in opposition to me, man, I'm just going to back up, dude. And I'm gonna, I might have to do some things to catch your attention. So if I, if I shut down the heavens and doesn't rain and, and you start getting real hungry and I cause a pestilence to come upon the people and it kind of catches your attention, then you turn and pray. He's saying, if you'll do these things, and in doing those things, this is what he says. He says, if my people or and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. So he, he lays it out. There's this position to pray in. There's a certain way we come to God. Uh, somebody asked the other day, this is a great question. If God is up there, why is it when we pray we look down there? It's a pretty good question, ain't it? If God's up there, why don't we just look up? Why do we, why do we look down when we pray? There's something about that position of prayer. Now, I'm going to tell you, in the Bible, let's just go ahead and lay it out there. Jesus sometimes bowed his head and sometimes he raised his head up to heaven. So there's an external position, yes, but ultimately the position that I'm talking about is not just the external, it's the internal of who we are. It's our heart bowed in reverence to God. Anytime we bow our head, we're we're recognizing in humility the authority of the one that we're praying to. So in humility I come before God. I know I'm humble because I see His awesomeness and the power that He displays, and I need Him in my life. So I come to Him in humility and reverence. I come to Him because, oh, He's worthy. He's worthy of worship. He's worthy of praise. He is an amazing God, and He's capable of so much. I'm going to come reverently to Him. I'm not going to sashay in there and say, hey, dude, let me tell you what to do to Jesus. Y'all all right? I'm going to go in there and say, Dear God, here am I. Coming before big old you. I need you. Humbly. The, the person who's not humble, what are they going to be? They're going to be, they're going to be proud. They're going to be standing up. They're going to be like, rising a little, well, I don't need that. They, they don't need to humble themselves in their opinion. But when we come before God, 
There's that position of humility that we, we humble ourselves in reverence and come to Him. And God says in this, He says, there's three things He says that are just, uh, they're, they're just paramount. They're, 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 they've got to be in our life. If, if we want to see a strong relationship with God, it says, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. So we got humble, seek, and turn. These are so important to us because they're so important to God that when we come before the Lord Jesus Christ, when we come humbly before Him, seeking Him, turning from the wickedness in our life. Anybody got wickedness in their life? You don't have to answer out loud, but you can. I do. I mean, there are things in my life that sometimes I just, I just surprise myself. Have you ever surprised yourself? Three of you, maybe? Amen. Well, we'll do it together. But there are times in our lives where we just, when we live in our life and going about life, man, we just do things that are stupid. And you're like, oh, my gosh. So we need to turn from the wickedness in our life. Obviously, sin is going to continue in the life of even the believer because that's why 1 John 1, 9 is there. Man, if we confess our sin to God, he is, He's righteous and He's capable of forgiving us for our sins. So that, that Scripture is there for a reason that, you know, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. Now, we should strive to live in perfection. We should strive to live in sinlessness. But I'm telling you, sinlessness doesn't mean I'm going to never sin again. It means I'm going to sin less. And I want to sin less and less. I want to walk closer and closer to Jesus. That's part of my life being yielded to Him and His life being poured into mine. I look more like Jesus every day of my life, I hope. And I hope you do too. Aaron and I, we'll find ourselves having, uh-oh, why'd I do that? Shocker. Why'd I think that thought? Why'd I say that about that person? Why'd I tell that untruth? Why'd I, whatever it is, I don't know what it'd be. But something's going to catch you, and, and you're not perfect. So that's when we come and we humble ourselves and seek the face of God. He tells us so many places in the Scripture. I love Jeremiah 29, 13. If you seek me with all of your heart, you'll find me. First Chronicles 28, 9. If you seek me with all of your life, you'll find me. He's telling us, hey, I'm a God who is seekable and findable. Y'all like that? You can seek Him. And you can find Him. So we can actually present ourselves to God and come into this relationship with Him, but we have to humbly seek Him and turn from wickedness. Oh, there should be a turning in our lives, folks. We position ourselves in prayer, not resistant and proud and not seeking, like one that's not under authority, but coming to Him, humbly seeking Him. So do you position yourself before the Lord in prayer? Is that something you do regularly? I'm telling you, our day should not get off the ground until we prayed and spent time with Jesus. I want to, I want to read a passage of Scripture to you. Psalm 63, verse 1 says this, O God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. Our life should be about yearning and seeking God. That's what our life should be about. And, and in that conversation of positioning ourselves in prayer and practicing prayer, 
we should find ourselves closer and closer to God because we see God work in our life. We see God work in the lives of others. We know that He is a living, active God who's at work. So we should want to we would just want to position ourselves before Him. We should want to be there like this, like, God, I, I'm hungry for You. I'm, I'm thirsting for You. I need You. I'm yearning for You. I'm longing for You. That should be our life, yearning for God. But it's a position we have to put ourselves in. And, and not does just the day begin that way, but it also continues that way. It should be, the as I said earlier, First Thessalonians 5, 17, praying without ceasing, just going through the day, and staying in that conversation and praying. And, and I, I know, I know many things will come in your life and my life. Oh, there's so many distractions. Is anybody in here distracted? I mean, right now, you've already been thinking about what you're going to eat. Is this guy going to talk much longer? I'm dying here. I mean, you're distracted. We can get so distracted in life. Maybe not right now, but in your day-to-day life, there's so many distractions that can come up. There's so many things bidding for our attention. But God's called us into a relationship. He's asked us to practice something that will make a difference in our life, position ourselves before Him, and He'll show up and show out in our life. But there's got to be that yearning in our heart, that, that, that desire, that longing. And, you know, I know you're busy. I'm busy too, and... Like, man, I just don't know how I can add another thing to my life. I, I'm getting by, but I, I just don't know if I, how I can do that. There was a guy that spoke at our men's conference uh, this last February or March, and one of the things he said has just stuck with me through this year. I've just I've rolled it over and over and over in my heart, and it's so stuck me because I'm that guy so busy. I mean, I, I just I get up in the morning with a to-do list, and all I want to do is get it to done by the end of the day. I mean, I got my list. I get frustrated if I can't get it all done. It it just bothers me. I, I got I got to get up. I got to go. I'll get up. At, my wife makes me hit the floor about five thirty five something like that, and and I, I, I'm gone. I mean, I run till ten o'clock at night, and I'll just go 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 all day long. And 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 there are times in my life, if I'm honest before God and honest before you, there are times in my life I get up and get going so fast, I don't sit down and just be still before the Lord, like I should. I mean, I'll have, I'll have my prayer time on my go. I, I, I'll, get, I'll get some, catch up some prayer time in the, on the road. And that is not a good time to catch up on your prayer life, okay? It might be something worth praying about, but it's not the time to really get intimate with God, okay? Definitely not the time to close your eyes and bow your head while you're driving. But, but you can pray with your eyes open. But what I'm saying is it's not the best time. I need time before the Lord. And th- that guy said in that conference, he said this, he said, If you spend time with the Redeemer, He'll redeem the time. You're busy. I'm busy. Life's busy. We live in a busy world. But if we spend time with the Redeemer, He redeems the time. We'll get way more done in the course of a day when we position our life and practice staying before the Lord. Oh, what a, what a, what a testimony is it? And we need to talk with God. And, and, and as I said, it's a two-way street. It's a two-way communication. It's me speaking to God, God speaking to me. And, and when we find ourselves in the Word of God, 
And we slow down long enough in the morning. You get up in the morning. I mean, do it when the best time of your day is not when everything is happening. But before anything comes in and robs the, the mindset of God to set ourselves. You may say, man, I'm not best in the morning. Drink some coffee. Do something. Do some calisthenics. Push-ups, r- jumping jacks, something. Get physically active for a few minutes and then sit down with God to get your mind going so that you can, before the whole world rushes in and takes you off the page, you can get on the page with Jesus. And and we need to be there and we need to open His Word and we need to read His Word and we need to have a conversation with God. And I did this in the first service. I just picked this randomly this morning. God spoke it in my heart as I was preaching and it says here in verse 1, Oh God, you are my God. Lord, I just got to tell you sometimes, I know you're God. I know you're my God. But there's sometimes in my life, God, that I let other things become God. I put some other things in front of you. Lord, I pray today that I will not let anything come before you. That I won't put anything between me and you. And you will be God. You will, on the throne of my heart, you'll hold that position all day today. And and, then keep reading. It says, I shall seek you earnestly. Lord, I'll tell you, I have sought a lot of things in my life. I've sought things of the flesh. I've sought people for advice. I've reached out. I didn't know what to do. And I've asked this person, this person, this person. Instead of just pausing and saying, God, you know. So Lord, today, help me not to just seek everybody else's wisdom in this world, but seek, as James says, seek some heavenly wisdom. You say you'll give it liberally to all that will ask, and I'm asking you, God, for wisdom. So Lord, speak into my life. And then you keep reading. You say, my soul thirsts for you. Oh, God, I thirst for a lot of things. I mean, it says my flesh yearns. My flesh yearns for a lot of things. But, God, I pray today that my flesh will yearn for you. And I'll, I'll set the temptations of this world, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh, I'll set that aside and I'll yearn for you, Jesus. You, you see what I'm saying? I'm, I'm having a conversation before you right now with God in Scripture. And that can take place in everybody. I just picked that verse. I didn't think about that before I came in here this morning. I'll do that with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 many times. I've got other verses that I'll just pray through. And I can just open the Bible in any place. And it is the living, active Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's going to divide joint from error, soul from flesh. It's going to help us understand how we can communicate to God if we'll just open His Word, read it, position ourselves there, and practice praying. It begins to just unfold. And I'm telling you, there's not much stronger way to pray than pray in Scripture. It is God's Word. God's Word in my heart, me speaking back to God about what His Word is saying to me. It is a continual conversation. Me, Him. Me, Him. Me, Him. That's where our life should be. That's communication. So we, we see that God reveals to us there's, there's a practice of prayer, there's a position of prayer, and humility, seeking, and turning from our sin. But, ladies and gentlemen, there's also a power in prayer. I want you to look at the first verse, if you will, in that text of of 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Look at verse 1. Now, when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. If you were standing in that room and fire came down from heaven and consumed the offering... Would you? And he was praying, Lord, come down. And, and all of a sudden, fire came down from heaven and consumed. Would you doubt the power of God? Absolutely not. Oh, the same thing happened. If we just go to Kings and we read about this guy named Elijah, 
And the prophets of Baal, Ahab had it out for Elijah. Man, he wanted to kill Elijah. He, he hated Elijah. Jezebel hated him more. And God said, go find, Eli- uh, go find Ahab. So Elijah went after Ahab. And he met one of Ahab's men. I mean, it was a, it was a desert. There was almost no water. Their cattle were, were starving to death and, and, and thirsting to death. And he said, go find, go find Ahab and present yourself to him. That's like a death wish. Oh, really, God? Ahab, he's been after me. I don't want to go see Ahab. Anybody but Ahab, no, go to Ahab. Go see him. So he goes to Ahab, and he tells him, he says, Hey, y- y- y'all been struggling here? Uh, go, get, go get all the prophets of Baal and bring them together, all 450 of them. Bring them together. And he, he instructs them to construct an altar. And, and here's, here's a couple of oxen. You pick yours. I'll take what's left. Let's, let's slay them. Let's lay them on that wood pile. And you pray to Baal. Okay, you 450 prophets, you pray to Baal, and, and you see what happens. We're just going to sit here, and all of us going to watch this today. And they get around, and boy, they pray. Oh, do they pray. And, and <laughs> oh, about lunch, nothing's done happened. And then about the evening sacrifice, nothing's happened. They've been praying. They've gotten excited. They've jumped around in their prayers. They, they've, they've shouted out, and, and Elijah says, hey, boys, maybe he can't hear you. I want to up to Annie a little bit. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe your, your God is off doing something else. You might want to try to gain his attention. <laughs> oh, they get at it, buddy. They cry out, nothing happens. And then, then Elijah says, go get me some water. Says, I know it's, it's scarce. Go get me some water and let's pour, pour some water on this offering that I'm going to ask God to consume. They pour water on it, not once, not twice, but three times. And they soak it up. And, man, the, the moat around the sacrifice is filled and running over with water. And Elijah prays, and God reaches down from heaven with fire and consumes the offering, the, all the wood, and, and the water. I mean, he, he got it all. And, and I'm telling you, anybody in that day, and they did, boy, they hit their knees and said, God is God. He is God. There's power in our God. Our God is not some mamby-pamby, mystical wish. Our God is living, and He sits on the throne of heaven. He commands all of creation. Whether you accept that or not, whether your friends accept that, or whether some elite mentality of humankind believes that or not, it does not matter to God. He is still God, regardless of who believes in Him. He's God. And He's invited us into a personal, intimate relationship with Him. And He is powerful. And we're going to see His power displayed. Because Scripture tells us, One day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. So we're going to to be wowed by His power when we get to heaven and see all that He's created. Which no eyes seen, no ears heard. We can't even imagine the depth of it. We're looking through a glass dimly right now. But when we get to heaven, we'll see Him face to face. And we see the power of God, ladies and gentlemen. It is going to set us on our heels. So much so that all around the throne right now, currently at this very moment, there are people bowing down before God, crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they rise up and they look around. God's done something big. And they lay back down. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they rise up and look around. And He's done something else. And they lay down. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's happening in heaven right now because we have a holy, powerful God. And you and I have the privilege of calling upon Him. So let me ask you, church. How's your practice of prayer? 
How, how are you positioning yourself before God in prayer? Do you understand there's power in prayer? I, I just want to extend the invitation of God to you today. And that invitation is this. Maybe you're sitting here today and you, you're, not, you're not in the right place. You know you're not in the right place. You're not saved. You may be living in a religious culture. You may talk religious talk, but you know, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if Jesus Christ ascended right now in this room, you'd be in trouble because you've never surrendered your life to Him personally, given Him your life. Say, you know what, I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to start that intimate, personal relationship. I want to know Him, Pastor. I want to know Him through and through. I want Him to lead my life. And you want to give your life to Him today. All of heaven will rejoice. And I'll tell you what will happen in here. We'll get excited with Him, okay? That's a great thing that could happen today. And I believe it's meant to happen right now in somebody's heart. And they say, Lord Jesus, I've lived apart from You. Oh, I want to talk to You. I want You to... Talk to me. I want to know you personally. And you cry out to him today. There's others in this room who say, I, I've got it, Pastor. I'm, I've yielded my life to Jesus. I'm surrendered to him. He is my Lord. But I'll tell you, I have not, I have not been practicing prayer like I should. I've not positioned myself in the, in the presence of God like you're talking about. And, and I, though I, I think I know about his power, I want to know more about his power. And wherever you are in that prayer, won't you just get that right with Jesus right now? Say, Lord, from this moment forward, this moment forward, I want to be right there with you. I want to know you, God. I want to know you in a way that I've never known you before. We have time of invitation. This is your time. So if you will stand with me, I'm going to pray for you. You come forward and respond to God's call on your heart this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for the privilege of being in your presence this morning. As we stand here before you this morning, God, you have your will and your way in our lives. Let us respond to the call that you have calling us into an intimate relationship. Whatever that means for each of us, let us move right now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're up here for you. Your pastor's here. The altars are open. Come pray. However you feel led of God, whatever decision you need to make today, we want to deal with that right now. Greg?
Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this glorious day You've given us. And each and every day, a lot of times we take things for granted. But You're so faithful, so true, so merciful, and so loving. We know You want a relationship with us. and We just pray You'll stir our hearts, Father, to seek You out. Help us boldly come to You. Humble ourselves. Turn from our sin. And seek Your will, not our will, but what You want for us. And Father, as we go about here taking up our tithes, our offerings to You, we ask, Father, that this will be used mightily to go out in the community and the world, spread Your Word so that others may come to know You and come to know Jesus. So we lift this up. We pray this in our precious Savior's name. Amen. About three and a half months ago, Florence struck this area. It flooded this area about four foot deep for about 14 miles around. And this is only one little section of North Carolina that was hit by the flood. So it was devastating to the people here. For almost three years now, Tennessee Disaster Relief and the Baptist Collegiate Ministries in Tennessee have begun to work together to respond to disasters. We know that students have a desire to help. They want to do something that's practical and makes a lasting difference. And the students bring an enthusiasm. They bring energy. They bring stamina that some of us older DR volunteers perhaps don't have. And it's just been a tremendous mixing of the generations. It's pretty cool because in a culture where uh, in our churches it seems like we're separated, this gives a chance for our students to come together and meet people who are senior adults retired individuals and work together and they just love each other they really do enjoy working together it's been really incredible to work alongside people who are my grandparents age basically because they have um, all of the knowledge and um, lots of experience doing ministry like this and doing disaster relief and then the rest of us college age students are not very experienced but we have the energy and excitement to get to work so it's been really cool to see those two come together and just how well we work and are able to serve better together. We're getting older, you know, myself and a lot of the DR people are getting older and be able to, to work with these younger students, uh, young ladies and gentlemen, and uh, show them some of our skills and to see them coming on in disaster relief, to be ready to pick up the mantle as we, as we fade on out of it, you know, because we can't do it forever. Somebody's got to do it. And to see these young people do it is just, um, uh, you know, a miracle in itself and, and just such a blessing. I'm very thankful to get to work with them. They're not only a blessing to the homeowner, but they're a blessing to me to see how on fire they are for Christ. They care about us, and they know how much we can help and how much we want to help. And they have so much knowledge about everything we're doing here. And so they really just just being taken under their wing and being able to learn so much from them and 
see their their heart for doing this for others and serving others. If we don't bring the next generation up behind us to, to learn to to minister to people outside the walls of their churches, to be involved in people's lives, to help people when they're in need, then we're going to lose disaster relief if we know it. As Tennessee Baptists give through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions, it allows us to take these students and train them, and then allows us to assist them in going on these trips to serve others and to share Christ with others as they go. And also we want them to be involved locally when they come back with their churches and their association and the other disaster relief volunteers in this area where they can serve. It's all such an encouragement to us to be able to see that those generations are paving the way for us to be able to pick this up and continue it on.